0: I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of October 2023, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode uh, you may have noticed it's just me talking on the mic today. Uh, unfortunately, my buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, he and I, our schedules didn't quite align uh, this month, but I'm very much hoping to have him back uh, for November's Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, so for this go-around, it's once again going to be just uh, you and I, dear listener. Uh, so hopefully that, uh, that works for you. Uh, anyway, if you're not familiar with the format... A uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episode is essentially where we take a look at the uh, physical media release date calendar uh, and just say a little something about any titles that jump out at us uh, for whatever reason. Um, So physical media meaning uh, movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs and the like. Uh, So if you'd like to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of Blu-ray.com and then head to the slash movie slash release dates page and navigate to the October 2023 section. Uh, Also, just for your information, uh, traditionally, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs drop on Tuesdays of each calendar week, Uh, so I'll be sure to call out the dates uh, as we go along. Uh, Looks like our first uh, proper release date in October 2023 falls on the 3rd, And right out the gate, uh, we have kind of a big deal release Uh, that would be a Steelbook 4K uh, physical media release uh, of Dan Trachtenberg's Prey, uh, which is, of course, the most recent uh, Predator film, uh, most recent film in that franchise, Uh, the first, I believe, to be produced under the Disney banner uh, post uh, Disney acquisition of Fox Studios. this movie of memory serves uh, debuted on Hulu uh, in in the midst of the pandemic, like the the dark early days of the pandemic. Um, Kyle and I actually reviewed this for catching up on cinema, and I am pretty sure both he and I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was a nice little like streamlined predator film, uh, and the period setting did it some favors. It's a very handsome production on top of that. Uh, I I p- intend on buying this, uh, especially because. Um, Part of the reason I label this as a big deal release is not just because it's it's a Predator film, uh, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of that franchise, warts and all, uh, but the other aspect of it is the fact that uh, it's a Disney 4K um, in an era where Disney has been leaning kind of aggressively on their streaming platforms for uh, housing their content. Uh, th- that is to say, uh, physical media releases are not are no longer guaranteed uh, in this day and age, especially from studios like Disney. Um, so amidst the pandemic, it seems like maybe they're trying to recoup some losses or something. Uh, and I wouldn't say the floodgates have fully opened, but in recent days, we have started to see um, some Disney Blu-ray and 4K releases uh, for programs that or like for a time anyway, uh, were exclusively housed on, on streaming platforms. So Prey was only available on Hulu uh, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, Disney Plus shows prior to their announcement and release on 4K, uh, in like very recently, uh, were only available on Disney Plus. Uh, so it's very exciting for, for collectors or <laughs> hoarders of physical media. Uh, I, I, it makes me uncomfortable knowing that things uh, do not exist outside of certain platforms because ultimately platforms can be delisted. Uh, content can be disappeared. Um, funny enough, like speaking of Disney, um, The Willow Show is probably like the, the prototypical example of that, or at least these days, of a show that, that came and went on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and because it doesn't exist in any format beyond that streaming platform, uh, which it is not currently hosted on, it, it was delisted, uh, it's gone uh, until it's put back up somewhere or recovered in some fashion. Uh, the Willow TV show, which I did not watch, and honestly, I haven't actually seen the movie. Kyle, Kyle gives me shit for that all the time because I'm pretty sure he quite likes that one. Um, that, that show doesn't exist anywhere currently. Uh, unless maybe you pirate it or something. Um, so yeah, uh, Prey is our first major release, and it is one that I am very interested in purchasing for myself. Steelbook, honestly, is not a selling point uh, in any capacity. Uh, it means almost nothing to me, unless like the cover art is vastly better than the standard cover art or something. I'm not a Steelbook collector. Um, but yeah, I do intend to grab this one, uh, probably when it's on sale or something. Uh Beside that, though, uh, we have a 4K release of Frank Darabont's The Mist. Uh, Brad and I uh, very uh, recently—Brad from the Syndrome Speak podcast, that is— he and I recently had a very long conversation about this on Tales from the Shelf, uh, where he actually showed off this particular 4K. It sounded like he was pretty happy with it, or um, very happy with the movie, uh, at the very least. Not positive about the disc itself, but um, both he and I really love this movie. Um, I won't go, I won't speak at length about it, um, but it's a simple concept, Uh, it has a little bit of a a throwback, like B-movie vibe to it, it's like an isolation thriller with all sorts of creepy crawlies and monsters involved, there's a lot, it checks a lot of my personal boxes, such that when it came out in 2007, uh, when I was in college, uh, I was very hyped for this movie, Uh, and when I finally saw it, uh, a couple years later, it it delivered. I was very happy with it. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is also funny enough to two or two, two for two so far. Uh, that's don't expect that to be uh, consistent throughout the rest of this, but yeah, uh, the mist on 4k is also, uh, potentially a purchase for me, uh, if not a given, um, beside that we have uh, scream three coming to 4k. This would be uh, Wes West Craven's scream three. Uh, this uh, this franchise is one that I quite like. I haven't unfortunately seen the uh, the most recent one, uh, but we did Kyle and I did review uh, Scream Five, I guess you'd call it the one that's simply called Scream again. I think um, we quite liked that one. Oh well, no, I wouldn't say quite liked, but we enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, in general, the Scream movies are very good, and that was the first one to be made uh, Sons uh, West Craven. Uh, he did do the first four, and if you ask me, uh, four is quite good. Uh, Scream 1 is an outright modern classic from the mid-90s. Two was okay, it was good enough. Uh, three is the one I remember probably the least. Um, and as such, I often think of it as the low point, uh, at least in those first four movies, of the basically of the Wes Craven-directed ones. Um, and I want to say that that's the general consensus. Um, I'm, I don't keep up on these things. I don't know like what the zeitgeist has to say, uh, about scream three. Um, but my memory holds it as like the bottom, like the bottom of the scream pile, uh, when it comes to the first four. Anyway, I would like to see that sixth one. Uh, I started it. <laughs> I started watching it on a plane. Um, but I realized quickly I was, uh, I, my sense is like, like, like i i i thought about my situation i was, I was sitting next to uh, my girlfriend's mom and she's not a fan of horror films and, and violence in general and stuff so i thought about it and i was like you know these like scream movies aren't known for like being crazy violent or gory like they they have plenty of kills for sure but they're very seldom like super explicit gory kills but I was like, there's gonna be a body count, and there might there might even be, like, tits. And, uh, I mean, she's... My girlfriend's mother is European, she doesn't care about tits, but, like, blood is something that would probably freak her out. So I was like, I'll watch something else. So I started Scream 6, uh, but I didn't get past, like, the, the opening sequence, which was pretty neat. Like, I, I was like, okay, we're doing something. We're doing something. Like, we have an idea. Um, I don't... I can't speak for the quality of the rest of the film, but point is i generally like scream i have watched that first one so many times um, but the sequels much less so uh so i don't generally buy horror movies um says the person who just said they would buy at least two 4ks they've talked about just now (laughs) um so i probably won't be owning any of the scream films anytime soon but hey uh, if you need the 4k disc of the third one it's out now uh we also have talk to me Uh, coming to us on 4K. Certified Fresh, uh, says the sticker on the bottom of the case. Uh, This is a Lionsgate distributed film, but I want to say this was an A24 produced film. And this comes to us from Danny and Michael Filippo, or Filippo, not positive on the pronunciation. And I seem to remember my my buddy Brad telling me that these people got their start in uh, YouTube. I could be wrong on that, so don't quote Brad or myself on that. But I seem to remember that's what I heard. Um, I've actually heard somewhat divisive things about this. Like this was getting like some really big hype and buzz about potentially being like the next big horror what's it, um, especially in kind of like the indie horror space. Um, but I've also heard pushback on that. Like there were some people that didn't exactly work for. So I don't know anything about this film other than uh like a not even a full blown teaser like not even a full mode trailer rather but i've only seen like a teaser for it so th- that is the extent of my knowledge about it but i'll have to ask kyle uh if he uh, if he has any interest in this one i suspect no um but we'll see uh between the two of us he is the horror head um, he's the guy who generally has his finger to the pulse when it comes to horror media and stuff Uh, and trends Uh, so I'll have to ask him about that one but yeah it's coming to 4k very exciting um we also have all three of the night of the demons films uh coming to us on physical media the first one is getting a 4k um and two and three are getting blu-ray releases Uh, I believe all of this are, are all of these rather are coming to us from Scream Factory uh we funny enough a lot of movies that we've reviewed this month so far um Kyle and I actually did review Night of the Demons 2, not the first or the third, but just the second one, because we did an event month that I would really love to revisit, actually, now that I think about it. I don't know what month we did that in, but it was called a VHS Cover Art Month, and basically we it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we picked the movies we'd be reviewing strictly based on the strength of the cover art, uh, specifically in the VHS format. Um, and as like, because of that, virtually all the movies that we ended up picking were ones that we remember from our childhood, like movies that we saw, like walking the aisles of the video store and never got to see. Uh, so in Kyle's case, when it came time for one of his picks, he picked Night of the demons too, uh, because the cover of the, that one with the demon gal licking a lollipop was the one that he remembers jumping out at him the most. That was the one that resonated with him. Uh, so he just skipped the line and was like, you know, shit, let's go straight to the one that I remember rather than starting at the beginning of the franchise. And I was like, yeah, that that's the whole point. Go with the cover you remember, not the movie because you haven't seen it. How could you know what it is? Um, it was pretty fun, uh, in terms of production values. I feel like it was a, like a half step below the first one. Um, but certainly quite good. Like not, not, not a terrible film by any means. It's a fun little like nineties uh, horror film uh, with a lot of teenage characters run around like a college campus for most of it. Um, Kyle actually recognized one of the actors from like a, some sort of Christian VHS tape that he remembers watching in church or something when he was a little kid. That was really funny. It's like, hmm, that actor made a big career change in order to go from doing religious programming to sacrilegious as fuck demon movies. <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, I know nothing about Night of the Demons 3. Uh, I didn't know it existed until we ended up doing that review of Night of the Demons 2, and I was, you know, forced uh, by virtue of me being a podcaster to do a little bit of research. Um, So I can't speak to the quality of that. Uh, I have seen Night of the Demons 1, uh, the original, um, uh, just for my own personal curiosity. I had nothing to do with the podcast. I watched it a few years before we reviewed Night of the Demons 2, uh, and it's fine. Uh, it kind of farts around a lot. Like it, it. There's a problem where you have some pretty decent like monster effect makeup and stuff going on, but the things that those characters do is kind of bleh. like they don't interact with the cast especially well. It's just kind of they pop out and go boo, and then there's a lot of shots of the one gal being pulled along on roller skates going making Frank Welker noises in front of the camera and stuff. It's like that looks cool, but you gotta you got to do some shit now. Um, not a terrible movie, definitely a cult classic for sure. Um, the soundtrack alone has some like Bauhaus shit on it. that I'm pretty sure like somebody out there goes gaga over, not me personally, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, yeah, all three of the night of the demons movies come into blu-ray and 4k. Um, we have don't look now, uh, our first criterion release for the month of October, 2023. Uh, this is from 1973, and is from Doctor uh, Director, excuse me, Nicholas Rogue, uh, and stars Julie Christie and Donald Donald Sutherland. Uh, I seem to remember Brad having some really good things to say about this one. I personally don't know anything other than what he told me about it. Um, but we have a thing that we say here on the podcast: if it's part of the Criterion Collection, it is probably worth your time. Uh, we have. Uh, it came from outer space, coming to us uh, on 4K. Now I'm curious if this is the movie that I'm thinking of. Uh, I don't. I'm not positive. Uh, there's a movie with a title similar to this. It may in fact be this movie, but um, something along these lines uh, was the film that supposedly inspired the the structure of uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Uh, I think it's this one. I could be totally wrong on that, though. So apologies if that's not the case. Uh, But it's coming to fucking 4K, and it's from Universal. That's kind of exciting uh, for fans of, like, Atomic Age uh, horror or monster cinema. Uh, The Black Phone uh, on 4K is uh, coming to 4K uh, from Universal Studios. Uh, This comes to us from director Scott Derrickson, uh, who... I believe he was the fellow that made the Bagul movie. Um, and then he got the Doctor Strange gig, and then he gave up the second Doctor Strange gig in favor of doing this movie, I believe. I, really strong visualist as far as like my understanding of him as a director. Uh, I started this movie, and I very much intend to finish it, but I, I keep getting interrupted every time I put it on. Um, if memory serves, it's... Um, based on a story written by Stephen King's son. I forget his name, but I, I do know that little factoid. Uh, definitely one that I will end up watching, uh, but not one that I need to own. Like I said, I don't generally buy horror movies, so apologies if, if that's like your lane of interest, especially in the month of October. Um, we have The Bride of Frankenstein, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Phantom of the Opera, and The Mummy all coming to us in individual... Uh, 4K releases. Those are all classic universal horror slash monster movies uh, from the 40s and the 30s. Uh, We also have The Sting coming to us on 4K. This is from 1973. Let me see. Is this debuting on the format or is it just like a fancy special packaging? It looks like it's just fancy special packaging, so I'm gonna move right along from that. Uh, We have a, a movie that I will probably watch on Tubi. Uh, or some other free streaming program or platform rather Uh, you have to excuse me folks i just like a half an hour ago finished doing a three-hour podcast with brad from the cinema speak podcast Uh, scheduling is a motherfucker i'll tell you that much Uh, so if my voice is hoarse and i trip over myself a lot uh that would be why my brain is a little bit scrambled uh so this next movie, like I said, I will I will watch this. I will absolutely not pay for it, uh, so I'm gonna find it on Tubi or freebie or or some shit like that. Mob Land, uh, not Moblin, not from Zelda, not Moblin, but Mob Land, uh, which comes to us uh, from the year 2023. It is a Lionsgate release uh, from writer director Nicholas Maggio. Looks like this is his only film. Um, the reason I'll watch this is because it has John Travolta wearing a cowboy hat and brandishing a revolver on the cover. There's a there's a couple of like direct-to-video schlock. Uh, there's a couple of lanes that that I will always indulge in, and one is, and I talked I talked at Brad about this just about half an hour ago. If the trailer for the film has the promise of holds the promise of Liam Neeson delivering a close-fisted. Blow to somebody's face uh, at some point in the film, I will give it a shot. Like, I will watch that film because for some reason, that prospect always entices me. I'm always down to see Liam Neeson awkwardly hit somebody. <laughs> um, the other one is if John Travolta plays a, a, a silly character, and you know what? This cover art of John Travolta making a mean face, wearing a goddamn cowboy hat, and brandishing a big ass revolver. And it's called Mobland. And, oh yeah, and Stephen Dorff is in here as well. Holy shit, Just Stephen Dorff bringing up the rear. Um, yeah, I will watch this. I'm not paying a cent for it, but I will watch it. <laughs> I'll report back. Um, we have, uh, I think that's about it uh, for this week. Uh, I will point out that we also have a Korean monster movie called Creepy Crawly uh, coming out uh, this day. I don't know anything about it, but I did see like a teaser for it. Um, could be interesting. Might I imagine it'll be very heavy on the CGI, but it has like a like centipede kind of like monster in it, which does interest me. I, I do like insectoid creatures. It's not something you see every day in movies, but it's it's one of those just intrinsic things that's like it. I like watching creepy crawlies in movies, and the and the movie's called Creepy Crawly. Give it a shot. Um. Moving on down, though, uh, we have October 10th, our next release date on the calendar, and it looks like it's debuting on 4K. Uh, this would be uh, Rosemary's Baby uh, from highly controversial introver- like individual-slash-director uh, Roman Polanski. I have seen this film. Uh, my, t- my dad had me watch it when I was probably too young to get it, uh, but it, it is a very good film. Say what you will about the man who made it. Uh, it is a very good film, a very suspenseful film uh, from 1968, uh, and it's coming to us on 4K. Let me take a look at the image fidelity on that one. It looks like it got a 4 out of 5, so it looks like they treated it well, but they didn't give it like the like super awesome treatment. We have uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves uh, getting a 4K release from, obviously, obviously, Disney. 4.5 out of 5 in terms of image quality on blu-ray.com that says quite a lot i i remember watching snow white like i i remember watching the hi-ho sequence uh from uh, snow white quite a lot when i was a little kid it was included in like disney compilation tapes and stuff that would play at like friends houses and the like um but the movie itself i think i only saw it all the way through like once and don't remember it very well but it is it is a truly groundbreaking film in that it is remembered and advertised as the the first feature length animated film. Uh, and it is a remarkable achievement in the medium of animation. Um, I do have a love and appreciation for hand-drawn and hand-painted animation, like cell animation and stuff. So stuff like this does appeal to me on a technical level. Uh, but from a narrative standpoint, I, Honestly, Snow White means very little to me. But from a technical and a historical standpoint, Snow White is something worth commemorating. And you know, it, it's neat that they're, they're putting it out on 4K when they are. Um, who knows what's going on with that live-action movie, though? Um, we have a Bronx Tale coming to us on 4K. This comes to us from Tribeca Film, uh, and this is advertised as the 30th anniversary. Uh, Edition of this. I've seen clips of this on like social media and stuff, so apparently it has like some sort of fan base, but hell of a cast. Uh, We have Bobby D, Robert De Niro himself, directing the film and written, I didn't know that, uh, written by Chaz Palmentary, who is also in the supporting cast. I didn't know Chaz Palmentary was a writer. Uh, And we also have uh, Joe Pesci and Joseph D'Onofrio. Don't know who that is off the top of my head. Maybe if I look at his photo. Uh, no, I have no idea who that is. Anyway, uh, hell of a cast. Uh, seems to have a fan base. Have not seen it myself, so can't vouch for it. But hey, 30th Anniversary Edition, probably exciting to a handful of people out there. A movie I can vouch for in terms of one that like means something to me personally, um, we have a 4K release of Pumpkinhead, uh, Stan Winston's directorial debut, Pumpkinhead. Uh, this is from 1988. I did actually just rewatch this, albeit on on Blu-ray. I didn't buy the new 4K because I'm not paying. I love you, Pumpkinhead, but I'm, I ain't paying thirty dollars to see you. Sorry. <laughs> Pumpkinhead is not an amazing film by any means, but I love Stan Winston. I love monsters. I like I, I love monster movies. It's like my thing. Creature features are my thing when it comes to horror movies and stuff. And this is a pretty straightforward like revenge slash monster movie. Um, and the monster—it helps that the director of the film happens to be like one of the most famous creature creators of his generation, um, and he's directing the film and presumably also assisting with some of the makeup effects and animatronics and puppetry and stuff. Uh, and it all looks fantastic. Uh, the movie is lovingly shot and and lit; uh, it looks quite nice. Uh, the the pumpkin head monster has a unique silhouette. Uh, and is, if you ask me anyway, quite memorable, Um, not like a truly exceptional like slasher slash monster movie by any means, but I saw this at the right age, and it has that, (laughs) has this stupid fucking title, Uh, so I'll always remember it, and it, you know, it's kind of special to me, Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'll buy the 4k of this one, but I already have the blu-ray, so Pumpkinhead has a place in my home, is what I'm trying to say, uh, we have Transformers Colin, Rise of the Beast, and this comes to us from director uh, Stephen Capel Jr., uh, who also gave us Creed 2, if memory serves. I think he has a background in cinematography, at least that's what I remember hearing, um, and I thought he did a fine job with Creed 2. I know that's maybe a divisive opinion, um, but I am a Rocky franchise superfan. Uh, I know those movies frontwards and backwards. I love almost all of them. Um, and I remember walking out of the theater uh, after watching Creed 2 with my brother and both of us kind of nodded to each other and we were, just, we were just like that didn't need to be good, but I think that was actually good. Like I would have loved it even if it was shit, just based on the premise and the inclusion of all the characters and fan service and stuff, but I think that was actually a good movie. And, and yeah, I... I I think Creed 2 has some pacing issues. like like there's some logic issues and, and some extraneous scenes involving unfortunately the rocky character in like the middle section of the movie. Um, but when that movie's on, it is it's really good. Um, it's such that when, when it was announced that Stephen Caple Jr., a guy who has a strong visual sense uh, and also experience playing playing in other people's IP, like he took on the reins of a sequel in a major and beloved franchise in the form of the rocky slash creed movies like hearing that he was attached to a transformers movie i actually got a little bit hyped i was like that seems like a good fit like like he's he knows his way around making interesting images he knows how to play in other people's sandboxes in terms of managing ip and stuff that's that is a good combo to have for a guy doing this kind of project and Even though I don't hear this movie talked about much, what little I've heard said about it is that it is, it is a pretty good Transformers movie, like hard to say what exactly that means, given like the general not so great quality level of most of those movies, like visual fidelity aside, um, but I did. I do remember hearing, like, what little I heard. And it's kind of weird how quiet, like, the buzz was about this movie. People weren't talking about this, at least in the corners of the internet that I hang out on. But what little I did hear was mostly positive. I have yet to see it. I think I have had the big uh, post-credits or, like, finale thing spoiled for me, which is deeply unfortunate. I really wish I didn't hear about that or at least suspect... Like, I think I know what it is, and that's uh, kind of a bummer. Um, but I would like to watch this, even though I have zero love or appreciation for Beast Wars, uh, which is kind of the selling point of the movie, is that this is the the live-action Transformers movie that's supposed to bridge the gap. Like, it's supposed to merge the uh, Generation 1 character ca- and cast with the Beast Wars character and characters and cast. So it, it's like the 1980s generation fused with the 1990s generation i was raised on gen one i'll just say that much like i I may be young in terms of like appreciating that kind of stuff i'm only 36 um, but i do have an older brother and i inherited all his toys and like all the things he was into were all the things i was into and he was into gen one so by the time we got to beast wars in the 90s with the cgi and stuff you, all my friends were into Beast Wars, but I had no time a day for it. Like I, I didn't give two shits about it. So I, I, I've seen episodes of it, but I have zero emotional attachment to Optimus Primal and uh, Rhinox and Rat Trap and all that shit. I, I, I know all the names. Trust me. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I went to school with kids who were all about it, and I did see a couple episodes. So I know my shit. Like I know all this shit, but I don't care. Um, I just want to see Optimus Prime at the end of the day. <laughs> we will kill them all. Till all are one. In the same breath. <laughs> Thanks, Michael Bay. Um, Videodrome. Coming to us on 4K. Uh, now for, And now for something completely different. Uh, so, uh, we have Videodrome coming to us from, of course, uh, the very Canadian, the very talented uh, David Cronenberg. Uh, this comes this came out in 1983 and this is coming to us on 4k from the criterion collection i I believe they had put out a blu-ray of this previously um (laughs) i was actually intending to buy that blu-ray many times at a secondhand shop because the the spine of it really jumps out at you it has kind of like a, a vhs artwork quality to it um i have seen this movie uh, it is a very good movie uh, very intense very kind of unsettling at times as a lot of Cronenberg movies tend to be uh, he is a highly talented man though um, his body of work is magnificent like it kind of stands alone in a lot of ways I would consider buying this 4K uh, only saw the movie the one time but I really have a deep appreciation for the man and his work um, and f- for what's worth the one time I watched it, it was pretty fucking good <laughs> Uh, we have Megan, uh, unrated version, and uh, presumably theatrical edition is included on that disc as well. Uh, that would be Mithregan, by the way, uh, if you want to spell it literally. Um, it, this came out in 2022. It was kind of like a TikTok sensation from a marketing standpoint. It's a killer doll movie. Um, I have not seen it. Uh, it is currently available on Amazon Prime, uh, such that occasionally I hover. My cursor over it, just like, what could it hurt? Like, like, really, is it gonna, is it gonna ruin my day to watch Mithregan? But I just can't do it. I, I just, it's the principle of the matter. It's like I'm just, I just don't care. Uh, so I, I haven't watched it. I, there is a chance I might get to that point though, where I just cave and just give it a shot. I'll have to check the runtime. Like, if it's really short or some shit, that really might happen. But I, there's no way I'm paying a cent to watch Mithregan though. Um. We have Wallace and Gromit: The Complete Kraken Collection, uh, which spans 1989 uh, to 2008, uh, and all of these movies, I believe, or shorts and movies, excuse me, um, come to us from director Nick Park. Wallace and Gromit is great. Uh, all of those are great. Nick Park is great. Like, like his body of work is also quite magnificent. Um, even things like Chicken Run, like, uh, was what is the one with the rats? It's like something, uh, down the drain or like flushed, flushed away. I think is what it's called. I don't know what, I don't know what became of that movie. Like I don't hear anyone ever talk about that one, but I do know that at least on this side of the pond, that would be the United States. Um, there's some folks that like chicken run. Like there's some people of a certain age range that really like chicken run. Uh, yeah, Nick Park's great. I watched a lot of his stuff. It's, it's always great. Very funny. Um, And stop motion animation, like claymation, I guess more specifically, always, always a joy to watch, and and his quality of work is exceptional uh, in that field, or medium. Um, The Boogeyman, uh, from 2023. This is also a Disney disc. uh, Gets a four and a half out of five in terms of image quality. Uh, This is, I think, from a Stephen King uh, novel. Or or a short story or something along those lines. Stephen King text. I'll leave it at that. Comes to us from director Rob Savage. I have heard this was all right. Like that. That's all I got to offer. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we have uh, that goddamn Winnie the Pooh blood and honey movie is getting a limited edition Blu-ray. Are you fucking serious? Um, this is coming to us from whom though? Uh, Shout Factory is putting this out. Holy shit. They got. They got top people working on those Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey discs. Um, yeah, zero interest in watching that. Although it is kind of interesting to watch it from a, to examine it from afar, uh, seeing this uh, whoever the pr- the producer backing all of these things, like seeing his attempt to create a uh, like a slasher cinematic universe uh, for public domain uh, fairy tale figures. We'll see how that goes, but he like it sounds like he's really trying to pull an MCU with Winnie the Pooh and like presumably like Pinocchio and all sorts of other stupid shit like that. I have zero interest in this. I've heard that movie is cheap as shit and not very fun. Um Friday the 13th coming to us on limited edition 4K Halloween trilogy. Oh, that would be the David Gordon Green trilogy. Uh, so 2018 to 2022, that's a very appropriate time to drop a box set of 4K titles for that franchise. Uh, we have Hardboiled 2, The Last Blood, which I have to assume also has an alternate title, as tends to be the case with a lot of Chinese and Hong Kong films. Uh, this is from director Jing Wong or Wong Jing, not positive on the order of those names there. Um, the reason why this jumps out at me is that, one, it's an 88 Films release on Blu-ray, um, and they are a UK uh, distributor slash publisher that is starting to become very exciting uh, over here in the US, because they've only recently started putting out titles here, and they are of an exceptional level of production quality. Their discs are beautiful, uh, cover art and extras included. Um, and also, just the fact that this is called Hardboiled 2. Uh, which I presume, well, based on that release date, I'm not sure if it has anything to do with uh, the John Woo hard-boiled movie. Now I'm really confused. (laughs) Came out in 1990, apparently. But yeah, it's an 88 films disc uh, for, I believe, a Hong Kong action film. Probably fun. Uh, Not something that really interests me. I tend to be very choosy, uh, when it com- I don't blind buy those kinds of movies for the most part. I buy a lot of those movies, but I tend to be very selective as to which ones I spend my money on. Uh, we got that fucking Strays movie coming out on Blu-ray. This is the Talking Dogs movie that I presume they've made so they could dub all the dogs in every language under the sun and make as much money off of it as possible. I heard that sucked. I heard it was dog shit, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, we have The Dead Mother... Uh, La Madre Muerta uh, from Radiance Films. I uh, don't know anything about this title, but the cover art is striking, to say the least. It, very enigmatic, but also kind of somber quality to it. Interesting use of color. Um, and Radiance Films is another one of those kind of, I would call it like a recent arrival in my region. Like they only started distributing titles in the US fairly recently. So anytime there's stuff pops up on the calendar, I take notice just because it's kind of exciting whenever there's a new kid in town. Even though they've you know been active for a long time, they've only just started releasing stuff in my region. Um, what else we got? Nothing I really care to point out. Nothing really jumps out um, for the remainder of this week here. Although, I will point out there is a super duper 4K special edition of Pumpkinhead, which... Again, I love you, Pumpkinhead, but I'm not buying your super duper special edition. I won't spend that much money on Pumpkinhead. Uh, and also, Dick Shark uh, from the year 2016 uh, is <laughs> is is coming out 480 minutes long. That better be a series. That better be a series or something. Uh, Collector's limited edition does not have a distributor listed. Or a publisher listed on blu-ray.com just to read the uh, plot description here a romantic couple get more than they expected after the husband's experiments with penis enlargement cream go awry wait this is not a porn story rather it is an absurd science fiction movie that features a curious new species the dick shark in some ways the story asks the same questions that mary shelley did when she wrote Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, written and directed by Billy Zabub, which I presume is a play on Beelzebub. Uh, really, the only reason I, I mention this at all is just that uh, we have a, uh, for listeners that are not aware, uh, I'm from Seattle, born and raised, and uh, in my neck of the woods, we have a video store. A, we have a video store. It exists. Uh, called Scarecrow Video. Uh, it's essentially i think it actually is hosted by the state these days like it's um it's i don't think it's an actual for-profit business anymore um, but it's essentially a, like a living museum so it's an actual functional video rental store um, but it also doubles as like a repository like like a, an actual like archive of physical media um, and as far as I understand it's like the largest, functional stockpile of physical media in the country. Uh, it's a truly remarkable place. Uh, if you have any love for, for movies and physical media and stuff, you gotta, you gotta walk the aisles and just take it all in. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, uh, when I was in there a few months ago, I I don't remember exactly when, um, Dick Shark was actually facing front. Like, like it wasn't, it wasn't like, put in with its spine facing outward they actually had the cover facing outward i think it was a dvd though uh one of the employees actually had it on their like uh, scott's picks or tina's picks or whatever like one of the employee shelves actually had dick shark on it uh so i'm actually i've actually seen this movie in the wild before Um, but apparently it's being upgraded to blu-ray on october 10th very exciting uh moving on though uh to october 17th uh, we have, uh, one of the biggest movies of the year, uh, of any year, honestly, uh, Barbie, uh, from director Greta Gerwig, um, coming to us obviously on 4k, uh, with that shit ass Warner brothers, 100th anniversary strip on the top of the cover art. Really hate the way that looks. Um, I watched this at home. I did not go out to the theater, um, with the girlfriend obviously, <laughs> um, and it was, it was good. I enjoyed it quite a lot Uh, there's a there's a lot of interesting ideas uh, and concepts that are expressed in it it's legitimately very very funny um the timing of some of the edits is is crisp and and wonderful uh the cinematography and the production design obviously very well may win an oscar this year uh ryan gosling is probably like the most affable i've seen him Uh, he really does come near to stealing the show in some ways. Uh, yeah, it's a really good movie. Like I I, I kind of see why it would take off the way it did. I didn't expect it to take off to the extent that it did, but I, I never once f- for a moment like doubted it would be a major success, but um, holy shit this movie made a lot of money. <laughs> um, yeah, actually the girlfriend wants to re-watch it at some point, and I would watch it with her, because it was pretty good. Um, not sure if I'm going to be buying it, um, but if the girlfriend wanted to bring a physical copy of it into her home like if she, if she wanted me to own it sure I don't, I don't have a problem putting Barbie on my shelf especially if, if we plan to watch it again why not own it um, we have uh, The Blob on 4K uh, so uh, we did uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle's brother Nick and I actually did a feature, we did a review of this movie Um, This comes to us from director Chuck Russell. Uh, This is a Scream Factory 4K. Uh, So The Blob has been released on Blu-ray previously, but this is its debut on 4K. Um, I I have a long history with Chuck Russell's The Blob from 1988. Uh, This is the Blob remake. Uh, I believe the original came out in 1958, so like the 30th year anniversary. Um, There's a kill in this movie it's i think it's the second kill in the movie that just wrecked me when i was young like i i saw it and it just something about something about the intensity of it and how kind of like i'm struggling to find my words the point is that the second kill in the movie there's a there's a kid it gets thoroughly fucked up by the blob and and just something about the way it's shot and staged and the effectiveness of this the effects work which are stellar for the time and very inventive um just something about the nature of that kill just really fucked with me when i was young and to this day i have trouble thinking like i have trouble thinking of this movie like like that that one image for some reason still bothers me to this day and you know what really grinds my gears is the fact that because of the the fucking people that I have friended on Twitter and shit, I get gifs of that scene just popping up in my timeline on social media all the fucking time because I have a bunch of horror fucking fans on my friends' list and shit. And no none of these people know that they're like causing me to wince and like like close like close my fucking phone because I'm like, God damn it. There goes my whole fucking day because some asshole posted a GIF of the blob. All that, all that said and done, this is a pretty good movie. I've seen it several times, um, most recently for the review for catching up on cinema with Kyle's brother, um, and it's a really good movie. I think it's written by Frank Darabont, if memory serves, the same fella who directed The Mist um and he knows his way around structure there's a lot of plantings and payoffs a lot of attention to detail in terms of the structure of the film and the characterizations um the effects work as i said is very good for the time and very inventive and unique in a lot of ways there's a lot of effects in here that you don't you can't really point to something else that did the same kind of thing um and yeah on the whole it's it's just a pretty good 80s monster movie like it, it's very solid um as far as like the 30 years later uh, boom of 1980s horror remakes and whatnot it does belong in the discussion in terms of like the good ones like the top five of those it's good <laughs> it just it just that one scene just always gets under my skin and really bothers me uh, such that the prospect of rewatching the movie that's that's the barrier it's like you know, I know it's good. I know I enjoy it, but I I just don't want to be in the room for that. No thanks. In fact, in fact, uh, full transparency. Uh, Red Letter Media um, actually did a review of it, and um, as as soon as that clip comes up, um, I I watch a lot of their stuff. Like as soon as as soon as that part came up in their discussion, and they opted to just have the the clip play like over their discussion of the film. I just I, I remember just putting my hand up or looking away and just being like I you know I'll listen to it I'll, I'll I want to hear what you guys have to say about this but I, I just don't need that tonight man uh, so yeah that's that's Trevor and the Blob that's Trevor's story of he and the Blob um, beside that uh, we have the last voyage of the Demeter uh, which comes to us from Universal uh, and I believe this is from the same director as. Uh, Everest uh which was a movie that I don't hear talked about very often but I did see it in the theater um and it was quite good um oh excuse me uh it the terror from beyond space is the film that inspired Alien excuse me it's it's not it came from outer space it's it the terror from beyond space Uh, I I just saw it pop up on blu-ray.com so I can clarify that um but yeah uh the last voyage of the Demeter be, became like a little bit of a meme uh, between the girlfriend and I because we went to the theater a couple of times within the past few months, and every time we went, and like pretty much every time we like put on YouTube or something, we were getting ads for this movie, such that it started to become annoying. Um, and you know, we joke about all oh, this shit again, um, but then the movie came out. And uh, I've heard mostly good things like people seem to like it. Um, It's it's apparently not like reinventing the wheel or anything. And in fact, one of my friends said that was like one of its liabilities is it plays it too straight, like straight down the middle in terms of what there's no surprises, I guess, is what bothered him. Um, but in general, I've heard it's a it's a quality film. Like, it looks nice. The monster design is good. We have an actual man in a costume. I believe it's a Javier Botet, uh, who plays the, the Dracula, the Dracula in the film. Spoilers, <laughs> in case you didn't fucking know that. He's on the cover. Fuck off. Um, but yeah, I've actually heard it's not bad, such that I would totally watch this. I don't think I would buy it, um, but it checks... Some boxes, you know, if it is basically just alien on a on a galleon with a Dracula instead of a extraterrestrial, fine. Like as long as there's you know spooky stalking sequences and and a monster ripping people apart at some point, that'll work for me. I uh, I have no problem watching a movie that pitches it straight down the middle if it gives me those components. As yeah, I would totally watch that. Not gonna buy it though. Uh, we have the Haunted Mansion, uh, the 2023 version, coming to us on 4K. I heard that sucked. Um, it looked it looked like shit. Uh, as much as I like Danny DeVito, um, I don't know. There's the, I got a weird vibe from that one. I was like, not interested, sorry. Um, man, I haven't watched a Disney movie in a while. Like a straight-up Disney movie in a while. It's impossible to avoid all Disney media being as they own most of media. But, like, straight-up Disney stuff I haven't watched in a while. Um, We have a title that I actually have on my shelf right now. Um, We have uh, Evangelion. Uh, My God, this fucking title. Evangelion colon 3.0 plus 1.11. Jesus Christ. Thrice upon a time. Uh, I picked up the 4K Super Duper Special Edition version, which comes to us from Shout Factory and G Kids, I believe. Um, I have yet to watch this, uh, It has, it is also available on Blu-ray. Um, and it has been available for a very long time, for about a year, maybe two, on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, but I have not watched it yet. Um, I have an odd relationship with Evangelion, uh, in that I really like Hideaki Anno. Um, I do think he is a unique and valuable creative voice. Um, but there's certain aspects of the original TV version of Evangelion that are are a little difficult to grapple with. I don't care who you are, um, just the amount of research you have to do just to understand that shit. And I don't even think that I actually do, even after I've done the research and watched the damn show. Um, that that's always going to be a, a difficult thing to negotiate uh, or navigate uh, when it comes to his body of work. But there's something about it that I I saw, Evangelion, I saw the first like four episodes when I was 12 or 13, and I think that's exactly when you're supposed to see it. Because it really, especially to to a boy, um, something about the way that story is put together, about the character Shinji, it does, like depending on how you're wired, it does kind of connect with you on some level, such that it, it... it is kind of special. Like a, It's a little bit conceited. There's some navel-gazing that goes on a lot of it, in fact, um, across the entire span of that mega-franchise. But it is a, a valuable piece of art that I think is worth experiencing and examining. I've kept up with it, but not religiously, uh, such that I've I've watched the, the rebuild of Evangelion movies, the first three, anyway. Um, and I thought they were interesting. I didn't think they were as classic or deep as that original show or the the end of Evangelion were um but I'm very curious how this last chapter goes because uh, this is the fourth movie it's supposed to be the last thing in the whole damn thing like it's supposed to be the end of it all um and I'm curious where it goes because uh, we've seen where it ended before in the form of end of Evangelion and that shit was fucked up uh, so I seriously doubt we're going to take it that direction. Um, but Anno is highly unpredictable in 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 the kinds of things he feels like exploring with the stories he tells. So I don't know what it is. I I've seen the first three movies, but there's no telling what this last chapter is actually going to be. Uh, and I'm very excited to watch it. I haven't cracked it open just yet, but uh, you know I paid good money for it, and I'm definitely going to watch it. Uh, we have the way we were. 50th anniversary edition coming to us from uh sony pictures uh this is from director Sidney pollack that's a name i don't hear all the time but uh hey writer dalton trumbo that's a name that's a guy who got a movie uh also francis ford coppola is listed as a as a writer starring barbara streisand barbara uh robert and robert redford uh I don't know anything about this, but holy shit, uh, we got some names attached to it. And it's on fucking 4K, so that's kind of cool. We have Freaks uh, from 1932, Todd Browning's Freaks. Uh, This is a Criterion release. Uh, This is another title uh, that my buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast uh, told me about um, on our most recent Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, He told me quite a lot about this movie. Um, I actually... (laughs) grew up in a household that had this movie on the shelf, um, on VHS. Uh, my dad brought it into the home. Um, but I never actually watched it. Uh, but I was familiar with like the concept and the cover art and stuff. And it, it's, it was always kind of this enigmatic something or other that I was like, what is that freaks movie? Uh, but then we, Brad and I had that conversation. Now I know quite a lot more about it. Um, sounds very interesting. I bet you there's a lot of uh, supplemental materials on that disc that would be very interesting to listen to. Uh, I think Brad owns that one. Uh, the Criterion disc, that is. Uh, we have Mortal Kombat Legends colon Cage Match, which I have to assume is about the character of Johnny Cage. Um, wow, they're really pushing the Miami Vice uh, 1980s color palette there um, with, with the design uh the cover art for that one uh that's part of uh warner brothers uh animated projects uh, they have their they have like a, a handful of lanes where i think they have like the dc comics animated films uh, probably scooby-doo i have to assume scooby-doo like scooby-doo is just ever present scooby-doo never dies um and then mortal Kombat. is also in that mix as well so they've been periodically putting out these mortal Kombat animated films um i've have zero interest in these. I play those games occasionally, but if I'm being totally honest, my uh my investment in the Mortal Kombat property died off in the 90s. Um, that that's that is how it is. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, duh, 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 I'm gonna skip some shit because it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, we got Smokey and the Bandit on 4K, uh, from 1977. Not a franchise that means anything to me, but there are probably a fuck ton of Americans out there who this is the be all end all of cinema. If we're being honest, the the cultural footprint of Smokey and the Bandit is probably quite vast, uh, unbeknownst to me. Uh, we also have a John Wick uh, one through four box set coming out just in time for the holidays, I guess. Uh, that's cool, although I already. I got mine. I got my super duper John Wick 4 on top of that. The Amazon version with the special extra disc that has extras I haven't watched yet. Hopefully I'll get around to that someday. Uh, a bunch of re-releases. Uh, a truly hideous cover for Jurassic <laughs> Park. Why the, Why is the T-Rex coming out of a circle? That just looks like shit. Why did they do that? What did they do to my boy or excuse me my girl uh, being as all the uh, well all the dinosaurs in jurassic park are female like what somebody run out there and steal the dinosaur skirts uh a lot of re-releases i apologize for the dead air just not finding stuff um we got something called shortcomings from 2023 it has a certified fresh stamp on it this comes to us from sony and this comes to us from director randall park that's fun. Uh, Randall Park. So Randall Park um, is a Korean-American actor who has done a lot of sitcoms and a lot of comedies and stuff. He's even in the fucking MCU in the form of like an FBI agent or something or some shit like that in the Ant-Man movies or whatever. Very funny guy. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, my friend and I, um, uh, my friend back in high school, he turned me on to a little website called Channel Channel 101. Uh, Which, this was in the pre-YouTube era. That's how old I am, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Uh, YouTube wouldn't come around until I was in college. Um, Anyway, uh, Channel 101 was a LA-based website where um, indie filmmakers would make five-minute pilots, like, quote, pilots for shows that they wanted to make. And then they would host those pilots, those five-minute mini-films, on the Channel 101 website. And they would also screen them at a at a at a live theater in LA, and the live audience would vote on which show uh, should which which show which pilot would move move forward into a season, and so whoever got the most votes, like I think it was the top five of each screening, uh, would get would obtain the right to make a second episode for that show, and then they would continue making submissions until they failed to make the top five, at which point that show was canceled. Um, Anyway, long story short, Randall Park. uh, My introduction to him came through shows on Channel 101. Uh, Same goes for Dan Harmon uh, and some other folks who I probably shouldn't mention for fear of self-canceling or something. (laughs) Um, But yeah, a lot of really, really talented folks came out of Channel 101, and Randall Park was one of them. I've always liked that guy. Haven't followed his career super closely Um, but just there's a special feeling that comes with like seeing somebody decades down the line, like being very, very successful and knowing that's like, you know, I remember when that guy was doing stupid shit on the internet, like that's kind of cool that I I was there for that. Same goes for Derek Mears, by the way. Uh, My buddy and I, our nickname for him was bald action guy. Apologies for if that's offensive to anybody or it's more specifically him, but Derek Mears is a man, he's he's a man without hair, uh, but he's also a very large individual that, if you're not aware, um, ended up playing Jason Voorhees in, like, what, the Platinum Dunes remake of, like, the reboot, basically, of the Friday the 13th movies. He played... For whatever liabilities that movie might have, he was not one of them. I thought, as the man behind the mask, uh, he showed the fuck up. Um, but he, he was also on Channel 101, and he got to play fucking Jason Voorhees. If that's not making it in Hollywood, I don't know what the fuck is. Um, yeah, Derek Mears, look him up if you if you didn't know that. It. It's it's fucking October. It's a Halloween season. That, I can ramble about slasher movies, fuck off. Um, moving on. Uh, we have a couple other Criterion releases of The Unknown and The Mystic. I believe these are also Todd Browning films, if memory serves. Uh, Brad had told me that these are also in a box set with Freaks, um, which I believe he that's what he got, is all three of Todd Browning's films. Um, I don't know if he's gotten around to watching all those yet. Um, but yeah, all of that's in one Criterion box set. And that's about it for that week. Um the rest of it seems to be just re-releases so i'm going to move on uh to october 24th and we have uh the others coming to us on 4k which stars nicole kidman this came out in 2001 and it, frankly i did, i remember seeing this when it came out and i didn't like it like i i was Kind of, it, i was kind of unimpressed by it but remember i am 36 years old which means i was what 14 when i saw that movie so maybe i was just too young and it was too slow or something but yeah that that kind of surprised me to see that come out not like not only in the criterion collection but in the rare 4k format as well i was like what the fuck <laughs> uh, we have red dragon coming out on 4k uh, this would be so the, uh, this is from Kino by the way, but it comes to us from director Brett Ratner, um, who is my go-to when it comes f- to, uh, describing directors who have no flavor, like just director man, person who makes films, but has no like personal artistic stamp that they put on anything. Brett Ratner is kind of my go-to for that. I don't know why I picked him, but I, I just did. But for what it's worth, Red Dragon's is a pretty good movie, um, I want to say, Manhunter is probably the better film. It helps that Michael Mann, you know, directed that. But for what's worth, Red Dragon is not an embarrassment. It's pretty good. Uh, I mean, at the very least, we get Ray Fiennes uh, as Francis Dollarhide, and if ever there was somebody built to play that particular character, it's it's Ray Fiennes. Um, he he has a penchant for playing. Uh, outwardly menacing and powerful characters who internally are fragile and weak like that's that's like his thing and he definitely gets to flex those muscles in Red Dragon and he does it quite well um, yeah Red Dragon's okay in fact every time I see it I like available I'm like yeah I could watch that I mean it doesn't hold a fucking candle to, to Silence of the Lambs but what the fuck does um, we have Kujo uh, from 1983 uh, this also comes to us from kino on 4k only gets a three out of five in terms of image quality yikes that's kind of rare um that must look like shit um cujo an intense little movie uh it's a good one it's a stephen king adaptation uh, i seen this one when i was pretty young as well i was watching a lot of stephen king stuff when i was pretty young with my dad I was allowed to watch pretty much any fucked up shit imaginable as long as my dad was in the room when I was a kid. Um, yeah. Cujo is, it's a pretty solid one, but three out of five in terms of image quality, that's, that is a yikes. Uh, we have Messiah of evil, uh, which looks to come in a really handsome box. Uh, this is from 1973 and is from radiance films. I know not a goddamn thing about that, but uh, if you're a collector, um, check out that box um, that looks that looks like primo box uh, to, to quote uh, the boondock saints <laughs> primo box uh, we got the Muppets Take Manhattan coming to us on 4k from 1984 is this the Frank Oz one yeah it's the Frank Oz one I don't know if this is a good Muppet movie or not uh, I truth be told this is an embarrassment I hate to share this on the internet in public but I don't think I've seen a Muppets film that's kind of an embarrassment. Kyle gets mad at me about that. Like, he straight up gets angry. Because right? he's like, Muppet Christmas Carol, motherfucker, check it out. Like, educate yourself. Um, but yeah, I can't speak for the quality of Muppets Take Manhattan, although uh, I really love Little Shop of Horrors, and Frank Oz also directed that. I think only a couple years after Muppets Take Manhattan. So maybe he did something right with this one in order to get that apparently extraordinarily expensive gig I, I i was shocked to learn that little shop of horrors was a, a bafflingly expensive film for its day i mean it, the money's on the screen it looks great but I, I never would have guessed it was that expensive um we have the toxic avenger collection coming to us on 4k this is coming to us direct from the creators uh, in the form of lloyd kaufman's troma films uh, apparently they're putting out these 4ks themselves uh, good timing, too, uh, being as we have uh, the Peter Dinklage headlined remake of The Toxic Avenger coming out soon. I don't know of a release date, but I do know they've put out some promo images and they're starting to get that rolling in terms of promoting that film. It It is currently in production, probably due out soon. Uh, and on top of that, they also have a video game that I might actually buy. Like this this box set of movies I'm not terribly interested in. Um, but the video game is based on the cartoon, uh, The Toxic Crusaders, uh, from I think the 90s. Could be a late 80s program, probably the early 90s, though. Came out in the middle of the uh, Ninja Turtles boom. So it was very much piggybacking on the uh, anthropomorphic slash uh, slime drenched uh, heroes fad of the late 80s and early 90s. Um, yeah, I remember watching Toxic Crusaders a little bit. Uh, the old video games were not so great, but the new one looks uh, to kind of take a page out of the book of the new Ninja Turtles game, uh, the Shredder's Revenge game. Beautiful sprite animation, something that I am a complete and utter sucker for. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. I got to see a demo of it at uh, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo uh, that I went to not that long ago. Um, and it, it looks like fun. I very well may end up purchasing that on Steam. Uh this box set no and not <laughs> I don't need these movies in my home, sorry. I do have one of Lloyd Kaufman's books though, and, and I probably will end up reading it. I started it a while back. Uh I put it down at some point though for whatever reason. I think it's a make your own damn movie, uh is is the book that I have. Uh Godzilla on 4K, the nineteen ninety-eight one. I don't want to talk about that. I was in a good mood until the Blob and Godzilla came for me. <laughs> um both of those movies hurt me in very different ways, uh, 10 years apart, no less, um, the Meg 2, colon, The Trench, or excuse me, Meg 2, there is no the, um, Meg 2, colon, The Trench, uh, on 4k, this came out in 2023 in theaters, and kind of incomprehensibly, like, like, it's hard to believe this came from director Ben Wheatley. Uh, that that's truly baffling, because you look at his body of work and never would I have expected him to do this. Um, but the Meg movies are fascinating to me, because uh, I'm I'm I mean they have the the shark slash monster movie appeal that does work on me. Like I am intrigued. I I do own the first Meg, even though I'm kind of upset about that. I didn't like it very much. This one looks to be maybe an improvement on that one a little bit. Um, But the reason I'm fascinated in these movies, unfortunately, has nothing to do with the actual movies. Um, It's purely about um, marketing and finance kind of stuff. um, Because it's no secret that The Meg and The Meg 2 both are kind of targeting uh, Chinese demographics. Like these seem like movies that were largely produced with international money and are largely aiming at international audiences, more specifically the Chinese audience, rather than uh, rather than what you would assume, like like American audiences or something. These these movies are made for a market that is not my own, even though they're actively advertised in my in my region. Like so, the presence of, of actors like. Wu Jing or Jing Wu I forget the the order of those names there apologies Uh, and other Chinese actors and presumably quite a lot of Chinese investment in the production itself and even some of the locations that the movies take place in just kind of suggest that it's like these movies are made with a demographic in mind that is not you Um, and that's a very interesting prospect because it's speaking as a dumb American who has a you know an American-centric perspective on the world. Uh, it's an odd sensation watching something that wasn't wasn't made for you. <laughs> like you do feel it if you're paying attention. Uh, I've encountered that before. Like I kind of got that vibe from that Black Demon movie, uh, which is also another shark movie. That something about that production suggested. I don't think I'm the. I don't think I'm the intended demographic that, for this movie. Um, and yeah, the Meg movies kind of have that that feeling on them as well I might watch the Meg 2 I am absolutely not buying it in fact I'm considering selling my disc of the first Meg just because I am never going to watch it again and I didn't didn't really enjoy it I didn't think it was a very good shark movie Uh, as easy as that should be to do Um, yeah anyway Meg 2 might watch it for free not paying a cent for it we have Fascination uh, coming to us on 4K Uh, from the year 1979 uh, this comes to us from powerhouse films not a label that i'm familiar with but uh, striking cover art Uh, that color strip on the bottom of the box art though suggests uh, indicator uh, might be involved uh, which is another one of those uk labels that is a fairly recent arrival here in the states such that their work jumps out at me Speaking of which, we also have uh, Visible Secret coming to us from Radiance and Lips of Blood coming to us also from Indicator uh, from 1975. Uh, very striking covers on both of those, by the way. Um, we have uh, Alien Outlaw <laughs> from 1985. Uh, this is coming to us from Kino. Uh, I kind of dig the cover art although I don't think it speaks to the overall production quality of the film. It's just a nice cover uh, for a shit ass film. Um, we have black Sabbath, um, which I think Brad from the cinema speak, uh, mentioned to me on the most recent tales from the shelf. Apparently there's two versions of this movie. It's a Mario Bava directed film featuring, uh, Boris Karloff, by the way. Um, Brad was telling me that there are two versions of this film and he suspects that he has the bad one, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, We have a film. I mentioned Red Letter Letter Media uh, earlier uh, on this episode. Uh, We have a film that was actually spotlit on that YouTube channel, uh, Lycan Colony, uh, from the year 2006. This is coming to us from Visual Vengeance, which I think they're associated with MVD, I could be wrong on that, but this comes to us from director writer Rob Roy, and yeah, um if you're into schlock cinema, uh this might be right up your alley. Uh the Red Letter Media episode on it is truly hilarious, uh although probably not based on the filmmakers intent. Uh Visual Vengeance is also putting out vampires and other stereotypes from 1994. I don't know uh, in contrast to Like in Colony I don't know anything about vampires and other stereotypes uh, We have a a 2023 Jackie Chan film called Ride On which I think is about a, a stuntman in the film industry uh, who like specializes in horseback riding or something. I haven't heard a whole lot about this one but if I'm being honest uh, as much as I loved jackie chan past tense i have not kept up with his filmography very closely i uh, in at least 10 years not i think like chinese zodiac uh cz12 was maybe one of the last movies of his that i checked out either that or like police story what did they call it when they brought it out here police story lockdown or something like that yeah 2013 2014 around then i think was the last time i saw him on a film um moving on uh we have a shaw brothers box set or two or three uh coming to us from arrow that's always exciting for people that are into that sort of thing but i think that's about it so let's move on to the last day uh the last last release date of the month of october so october 31st halloween happy halloween um by the way this should be coming out on happy halloween so literally happy halloween um we have uh, a big one that man. I've been mentioning him a lot today. Uh, I reviewed with Brad from the Center Speak podcast, uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which Brad informed me just today. Apparently, Dead Reckoning Part Two will never happen. Uh, not not that we're not going to get a sequel to this film, but apparently, it's just going to straight up have a different title or something, uh, which is very awkward. Um, this was a good Mission Impossible, but not the greatest. Uh, that was my take on it. Um, if you want more, we have a two-and-a-half-hour discussion about it uh, located on our podcast feeds. Uh, so, yeah, go check it out. I will be buying this, though. It's an obligatory for me. I I do quite enjoy all, uh, mostly all of these movies, with the exception of Mission Impossible 2. As much as I love John Woo, that, that movie is not good. Uh, it's got a lot of problems. Uh, but the rest of the Mission Impossible franchise great stuff like they're, they're really one of the most consistently great action movie franchises out there um we have an Af- alfred hitchcock classics collection coming to us on 4k this is volume three by the way which includes rope the man who knew too much tom curtain topaz and frenzy uh if i'm being honest only those first two are ones that i'm familiar with uh, we have Ghost Mur- Nursing, 1982, Evil Judgment, 1984, The Curse of the Screaming Dead, 1982, which Brad told me something interesting about a long time ago, but I kind of forgot what that was, so I'm sorry, can't report it now. Blue Beetle on 4K, this came out in theaters this year. Uh, I heard it was alright. I don't know if it was actually good, um, but unfortunately the, the Jaime Reyes uh, Blue Beetle character from DC Comics has never really resonated with me like I've I if I'm being honest I've had zero exposure to the character like there was a time in my life where I was reading a fuck ton of superhero comics Uh, DC Marvel uh, Starcourt like I was reading a lot of comics (laughs) at one point in my life but I have since given them up so I no longer follow this stuff and despite my interest in the hobby um, I never got to a place where I became all that familiar with the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. I've, I've read a little bit of like Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Um, I remember when Doomsday beat the fuck out of him. That was fun. Um, that was in 1993, folks. Wow, that was a long time ago, huh? Um, but yeah, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle is kind of a mystery to me. Um, this one looked kind of fun and kind of like a throwback sort of way, like a Star Kid kind of way. I, I got some like Guyver vibes from it too, if I'm being honest. I'm pretty sure that was partially an inspiration for the original like comic version of this iteration of the blue beetle characters that that shouldn't be shocking i guess um yeah i didn't have any interest in checking this out in the theater don't really have any interest in checking it out on home video either might watch it if it comes across my desk or something but i'm not paying a cent to watch it uh we have we kill for love Coming out in 2023, uh, Yellow Veil Pictures is putting this out. And uh, let me read the plot description because I don't know a damn thing about this. It's contemporary, though, 2023. A documentary that goes in search of the forgotten world of the direct-to-video erotic thriller, an American film genre that once dominated late-night cable television and the shelves of neighborhood video stores. Wow. Wow. Um, I would watch this. <laughs> like, I would, I would watch slash own that. Um, Kyle and I actually did an entire event month uh, based on erotic thrillers. Um, it is a subgenre that I feel that is the case. Like, we used to be inundated with them, but they kind of fell off at some point. Wow, I, I will have to bookmark that. I will dog ear that right now. I didn't know about that. Uh, we have Day of the Panther slash Strike of the Panther. That sounds right up my alley. Uh, Brian Trenchard Smith. Why is that name familiar? I'll have to look into that. I I think he does a lot of action schlock. I mean, just based on those titles, I, you could safely assume that's the case. <laughs> but um, Brian, Tren- Brian Trenchard Smith. That's a name I've not heard since. Um, we have Goku Midnight Eye. Uh, I don't know anything about this other than it's a uh, OVA series uh, from 1989, apparently. Uh, really crazy character designs, uh, it's supposed to be really raunchy. Um, and I kind of dig it. I might end up buying this. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for, when it comes to anime. Um, I have my, my lane where it's like contemporary does very little for me, but eighties and nineties, basically like, like if, if I was around for it when I was young, I probably have some interest in it. But like contemporary stuff, I don't follow this shit even a little bit. I can't even pretend to be all that interested in it. But like 1989 OVA series, raunchy, bloody, yes, that that is 100% my lane of interest when it comes to Japanese animation. <laughs> um, Schindler's List uh, is getting a 4K release from Universal. I have to assume yes, this is just a special uh, boxed version of it. So not a new release. Uh, American Ninja uh, is getting a Blu-ray release from Kino uh, as is American Ninja 2 uh, these are both the Michael Dudikoff uh, headlined action films from the Canon Film Group um, all of these are schlock uh, I remember starting to watch the first one when I was very young and, and even as a youngster I was kind of like this, this This, isn't doing this Like I think I was old enough that I was like I think I'm just going to watch Power Rangers, man. <laughs> like, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I never got on board with uh, the American Ninja films. But, man, uh, Canon really wanted Michael Dudikoff to happen. Uh, sadly, I don't think it ever did. Uh, Tom Curtin on 4K, 1966. I assume that's one of the uh, yeah, that's one of the Hitchcock films. Uh, Nanny is coming to us on uh, Blu-ray from the Criterion Collection. Uh... Aisha, an immigrant nanny, piecing together a new life in New York City while caring for the child of an Upper East Side family, is forced to confront a concealed truth that threatens to shatter her precarious American dream. Sounds heavy, but it's part of the Criterion Collection, so like we say, it's probably worth your time. Uh, Moving along, (laughs) I will point out we have the Wonderful World of Puss and Boots, uh, from 1969. Literally, the only reason I'm pointing this out is just for a stupid trivia factoid. Um, the little uh, Puss and Boots character here on the cover of this uh, Japanese animated film, I believe, is the mascot of Toei Studios, uh, and has been for quite a long time. But yeah, this came out in 1969, and. I don't know shit about it, but I've seen that I've seen this damn cat before, and it's like, yeah, that's that's the Toei cat. Uh, we have Fugue uh, from the year twenty eighteen. This comes to us from De- Decanalog, um, and yeah, it's from twenty eighteen. Interesting cover art. Uh, it's from a boutique label, presumably a, a Vinegar Cinder partner label. Uh, we have. Uh, the challenge uh coming to us from kino this is from 1982 uh, i might end up picking this up for dumb reasons uh, so this is uh the scott glenn uh and toshiro mifune movie it's it, it it apparently this is like one of toshiro mifune's like much later like one of his final roles or something i remember catching parts of this on tv I've always liked Scott Glenn as an actor. Toshiro Mifune is, of course, a fucking legend of Japanese acting. Um, he plays like a old fucking man in this, though, so it's not like prime Mifune, which kind of sucks. But just the novelty factor of this schlocky, like, modern samurai story does kind of have some appeal to me. Um, I might check that one out. Just, just because I never saw the whole movie, and because I, I like both of those actors, and i'm a sucker for that kind of shit uh we have an interesting release here that i actually don't remember much about um but it's a it's a a chinese film by the name of limbo Uh, it's coming to us from cape Light pictures this is from the year 2021 Uh, i apologize for the pronunciation it's probably grossly incorrect but Soichang, um i know him from what did he do dog bite dog? I'm not gonna look it up, but I, I'm probably wrong on that. Anyway, I remember hearing some incredible things about this movie. Uh, that's it though. Like I don't remember really what it was about or who's in it or like what the deal is about it. But I just remember hearing, like, reading some of the like glowingest reviews I'd read in a while about this one. To the point that I think I might blind buy this one. Uh, that's a weird thing to do, but uh, yeah, uh, Limbo from 2021, obscure pick, but uh, for me, like I, I hold on to things like that. Like I, I I read like an article or like hear a particular kind of praise, and it it sticks with me. So I'm gonna try my best to follow up on that. <laughs> Uh, we, we, I mentioned I will watch anything that potentially has the promise of Liam Neeson delivering a close fisted blow to a person's face. Retribution is coming to us. Uh, funny enough, the, the box art that they have listed on Blu-ray.com appears to be the DVD case, but it lists it as being a Blu-ray. So presumably it is, in fact, coming to Blu-ray.com. This comes to us from director Nimrod Antal, who I believe did Predators among other things. He's a decent filmmaker as far as I know. I've heard this movie sucks, uh, but like I said, the trailer makes it look like there there is a chance he'll get out of that car at some point. There there is a chance he'll get out of that car and he'll womp somebody. He'll he'll give him a womp in the face. And that's why I'll watch it. <laughs> and I may end up paying for it too. <laughs> um what else we got? I think that's about it. I could pretend to care about all this vinegar syndrome stuff, but i'm I'm not that kind of collector. i I don't go by label. I go by movie., uh, It doesn't matter who puts it out. it It's about what they're putting out. Uh, so I could pretend that all of these vinegar syndrome and vinegar syndrome partner label movies mean something to me, but if they jumped out at me, I would have called them out. So unfortunately, they didn't this time around. So uh, we will proceed to the wrap up portion of the show wherein. I go backwards quickly through the calendar and just point out any of the titles I think I might actually splurge on. like I think I might treat myself to and add to the collection. Uh, Retribution. <laughs> um, if it's cheap enough, I'll, I'll fucking buy Retribution. Watch me. Watch me, motherfucker. I'll do it. I'm not crazy. I'll kill anybody who says I am. Uh, Limbo. I, I might blind buy that as well. Uh, the Challenge shit why not let's go for three let's do the hat trick I, I might get the challenge as well i'm i don't think it's very good i haven't heard anything good about it but i'm intrigued like it, it checks some personal boxes for me so it, yeah, maybe uh okay so we're doing good in this first week here or last week of october rather uh goku midnight I who puts this out i think it's yeah discotech Discotech i love they do really good work with their discs, but they do charge a lot, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, oh shit, there is in fact a Vinegar Syndrome title that I do have some interest in. Uh, color me surprised. Um, Magic Crystal. I did not realize that that was them putting that out, uh, nor did I call it out as we went through the calendar, so apologies. Um, Magic Crystals from 1986. And it stars Andy Lau, Cynthia Rothrock, and Richard Norton is in there as well, uh, I believe as an antagonist. Um, Andy Lau is a curiosity to me because he is one of the most famous and bankable Chinese actors of his generation. but I have zero connection to him. Like I've seen like two movies with this guy and I watch a lot of Hong Kong and Chinese movies, most truthfully just like action movies for the most part. So it's not like dramas and whatnot, but Andy Lau is incredibly popular and has generated so much money for that industry. But I've, I've seen like two movies with him in them. Um, so he's not personally a selling point. Cynthia Rothrock uh, is everywhere these days in the world of physical media. So much of her back catalog of movies has found its way to Blu-ray and 4K in recent years. Uh, Same goes for Richard Norton. They oftentimes end up being a package deal when it comes to Hong Kong cinema. Um, I've heard this one's fun. I've seen some clips from it. But if I'm being totally honest, it's like... mm. It doesn't have like any of any of like my people in it. Like I like Cynthia Rothrock, I like Richard Norton, but they're not like huge selling points for me. I'm happy to see them every time they're in something, but they're not the reason I buy something. If that makes sense. Um, so that's that's a maybe. That's a, that's a maybe. Uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, though, that is as I said, that's an obligatory. I, w- I will get that. Not sure exactly when, uh, but I'll get that. Um what else we got? Moving on to the next week here Nothing that week. Uh, so let's move on to the next one. Uh oh there is a Robodoc, the creation of Robocop, uh documentary disc uh, from Cynodyme. It's a TV miniseries apparently. I would consider that I love Robocop. I really do. And I, you know, it wouldn't hurt for me to know anything and everything about Robocop while I'm at it. Plus, there is a Robocop video game called Rogue City, Robocop Rogue City, full title, uh, that is coming out, I believe, in just a couple of days here. And I'm actually hearing really good things about it. Uh, shocker. I would not have expected that for a licensed video game. But um, yeah, apparently it's pretty good. Um, so, good companion piece to that game, I guess. Um, I will, I will watch The Last Voyage of the Demeter, but I'm not paying for that. Uh, I already got Evangelion. Uh, I'm just going to call it Evangelion 4, the the last Evangelion movie. Um, I already got that. Haven't watched it yet. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Pumpkinhead 4K. No, not if you're $30. I'm sorry. I, I already have the Blu-ray. Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I will watch that i end up watching all the transformers movies at some point oftentimes years later but i do watch all of them um and this one will be no exception but i i don't think i'll be paying anything to see that like rental or purchase or whatever mob land i'm gonna look that shit up on tubi like i'm gonna find mob land on tubi i guarantee it and i will watch the fuck out of that John Travolta versus Stephen Dorff in cowboy hats. Shit, that, that's, that's my stuff right there. That, that is, that's cinema. <laughs> um, Prey and The Mist, both of them. I'll probably end up getting on 4K because I liked both of them. Oh, I, I liked Prey. I, I kind of loved The Mist. Um, and also, I've never seen the black and white version of The Mist. I'd be very curious to see that. So that in and of itself is kind of an excuse to to want to own the mist regardless of the 4k just like i i don't own it in any format so you know i should it's one of those movies i should have anyway uh that's about it uh for the month of october 2023 on this edition of catching up on blu-ray uh so if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at CatchingUpOnCinema.com. Uh, You can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Twitter slash X at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCade. Uh, So fucking Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.